Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. Thank you for meeting back up with us for part two of our visit with Jenny Mars. Jenny and her husband, Dave, are the stars of the HGTV show Fixer to Fabulous. If you missed part one, please download it and check it out. There's some nuggets you don't want to miss. So here we are with Jenny. Now, previously, Jenny, we talked about infertility that you and Dave faced in the adoption process, the unexpected journey to Africa, where your eyes became open to the need in our world to help children who are desperately starving for food and a home. Um, Basically discovering a calling that you never knew would be a part of your lives. You know, you came from Florida. You thought you would live on the beach near the city. (laughs) And then you ended up in Arkansas (laughs) on a farm. And I just love how God has um, changed your heart about that and what he's been doing through you and Dave. And so that's really on this this part two segment. What I wanted to talk about is life on the berry farm. Um, Why do you have the berry farm? What are you doing with the berry farm and how is that playing out in missions and, and what has God been doing with your family there as y'all have been operating the berry farm and that sort of thing? Talk to me. We live on a farm as well, just a small farm for fun. We have a few animals. We add to our animal menagerie all the time. I what, want, what kind of animals are we talking well, about? We have cows, um, which Dave takes care of the cows. I don't really help with that, but we do have some babies. And I, I actually, no, that's not true. I have a lot of rescue animals, so we do have a cow who was a baby and his mama passed away, her mama passed away. And so we took her in and she was our little bottle fed calf. Her name's Betsy. Oh my gosh. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. She's really cute. And she wore a pink collar and she would come running when we'd come out with our little bell and she'd come get her bottle. And it was pretty adorable. Um, Now she's bigger and she's off the bottle. But um, so we had Betsy and then we have a whole bunch of other cows. Um, And then we had, we had chickens. We don't have chickens anymore. (laughs) We had an owl problem. Oh, my goodness. You learn about the life cycle, it's, you know, um, circle of life on the farm. But we'll get chickens again. Um, and then we have dogs and cats. And um, we also have sheep. My sheep are my little, my my babies are my sheep. Awesome. Do y'all, do y'all shear the sheep? So we had self-shearing sheep that basically their fur just, they just shed their own wool. Those are our original sheep. And then we just added this past um summer, I think we added four baby doll sheep and we will have to shear them this okay. spring. So okay. we'll probably be next month, April. Yeah, we'll shear them in April, but I, we won't do it. We'll have someone who actually knows what they're doing do it, <laughs> which is kind of how we function. We don't really know what we're doing ever and we just figure it out. But we find people that do know. Like our neighbor that. our neighbor raises sheep and that's yeah. how we got into involved with sheep. I love sheep. I've always wanted sheep. There's so many sermons you could come out. I mean, I mean literally, it's like everything sure. that happens with our sheep. I'm like, that could be a sermon. Uh-huh. Um, Jesus talked a lot about sheep. Yeah. But he had um an orphaned sheep who needed to be bottle fed and that was our first sheep. Her name is Trixie. And she <laughs> was my little my little 
I, I, at the time I was like, we're done having kids. So I'm mm-hmm. going to start having, if I I can fulfill my like need for a baby with this sheep mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, this is good. Dave, just, I can have a sheep, bottle feed the sheep, carry it around. This is fulfilling that, <laughs> that instinct or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> she rode with me in the car. She was, what? She, she you, thought she was a dog. A sheep in your car. Yeah, car line to pick up the kids is ridiculous. <laughs> Actually, Angie Cox saw me at Carolina and she came running over and she's like, you give me that shape. Anyway, regardless, she thought she was a dog. Our lab, Dora, kind of became her mom. She would, they would sleep next to each other. Anyway, she would go on walks with us. Now she had, we got two more, two more orphan sheep that they were twins we bottle fed them. They all became friends, and she realized she is actually a sheep. So now she lives. <laughs> they had out. a meeting, and yeah. they told her. They said, "We hate to tell you this, but you're not a dog. Yeah, you're, not a lab. you're really a sheep, and yeah. this is what we do." Yes. So oh then she my. had a baby, and now we're just kind of growing the herd. She's actually pregnant again. Her baby is now pregnant. We think, um, and our other two girls, I think, are pregnant too. So we're just kind of becoming sheep farmers, even though we have no idea what we're doing, but our neighbor knows and he helps me. Yeah. Like he helps. And I yeah. call him, you know, about vaccinations. And yeah. at one point I had to give one of the sheep an IV, which that was amazing. I didn't, I ended up calling someone to help. And there's all sorts of things that you learn mm-hmm. and it seems so easy. Like, ah, oh, it's just an animal. I'll take care of it. I have dogs. I can do this, but it's definitely different. a learning curve. Yeah. But at the same time, they're really easy maintenance animal Mm -hmm. we used to have goats they were a whole different ball game so Mm -hmm. anyway Mm -hmm. yeah wow well i i think one of the best ways to learn is just to dive in and and go for it yeah so which which to me is such just that in and of itself is a testament of what you and dave do like that's that's courageous to me and so and that (laughs) no you're not you're not dumb. You you don't mind taking chances. So yes. many times people shy away because of fear and yeah. are not feeling like we just can't do this. We're not capable. And you're like, you know what? We're not equipped, but we're going for it anyway. And yeah. and that carries out throughout the rest of your life. And it, it's very apparent. So so let's talk about that. So whenever your kids, when y'all when y'all go to the berry farm. Uh-huh. And when you're hanging out at the berry farm, um, what was the purpose originally of the berry farm? Just to have a farm or did you have a specific goal in mind, what you wanted to do? Well, Dave, this is how it tends to happen in our family. Dave does something and I just go along with it and I just assume (laughs) we'll figure this out. Um, Dave bought some land. We got a really, really good deal on some land that he basically was like, I can't not buy it. I didn't really think anything of it. What are we going to do with it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But he had this vision for the berry farm. It was his initial vision that he felt like God was calling him to, which when I say we don't know what we're doing, we do not know. <laughs> we did not know what we we're doing. We're not farmers. We've uh-huh. never. Uh-huh. I mean, we had a little backyard garden uh-huh. and we took in sheep <laughs> that were bottles. A little that different. I, yeah, yeah. I took to Carline. That's as far as it got. Um, we were no idea what we were doing. So he ended up going to some classes at the U of A, University of Arkansas. Um, We had a friend who um, was an extension agent who came and helped. Anyway, soil test, all the things. He did all of it and kind of got it going as far as this berry farm vision. He didn't really know what at the time, like at the very beginning, what the long-term plan was. He just knew Mm -hmm. he was supposed to plant blueberries. And it was, Mm -hmm. to me, the most random thing ever. But... He, he said, you know, blueberries grow in Arkansas. He had this whole thought process behind why blueberries. And, and we ended up getting our soil tested and the, te- the 
test came back that they were, the soil was perfect, had all of the right levels of all of the things that I know nothing about for growing blueberries. And at the time we had a feeding program going on in the Congo, but we started it when Sylvie was still in the Congo. It was her old orphanage. We went and visited. We went and saw her orphanage. We knew these kids weren't being fed. We ended up hiring her foster mom to go and feed them once a week. Then we just started doing these little, we got together with some other moms that were adopting and started just doing little fundraisers. And the first fundraiser we did was right before Christmas. And so we got like some products donated and basically just kind of did this little raffle thing. And we wanted to raise enough money to feed the kids one really big meal for Mm -hmm. Christmas, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, we ended up raising enough to feed the kids for a month and to feed not just that orphanage, but three orphanages for a month. So it was amazing. And then we were like, okay, well, they've got a month's worth of food. Now what? So we better do this. So anyway, I just kind of started fundraising every month. And then we had people walking alongside us that ended that it just kind of grew. And we started getting money coming in and we found a nonprofit to partner with in the Congo who managed it for us. And by the, by the time when we were planting the farm, we had about 200 kids in our program that were eating every day. Wow. And so we knew the, the problem with a feeding program is that it's not sustainable. Every month you have to ask for more money. And um, we had monthly donors and things, but, and God provided in so many incredible ways. There are so many stories mm-hmm. from that time where I would, <laughs> it was always me saying, no, I would commit to like adding more kids and adding another orphanage or adding another mm-hmm. school or whatever. And Dave would think I was crazy because he said, we can't even hardly afford to pay for the, what we have. Um, I'm like, no, we'll just, we'll figure it out. God will provide. And he did every single time he did. Um, until we got to that 200 point and it was pretty, it was just really consistent. I mean, we would get random checks in the mail or we would have little kids donating their allowance and just really cool stories Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of people providing. And um, it was just it was such an amazing time of God working and moving and feeding these kids um, physically, but then also spiritually through the partnership we had with the organization in the Congo. They were a Christian organization. And so they were going and loving on the kids as well. And, And the thing is, like what we said at the beginning was, yeah, you can do all of these great things. You could build a school, you could do create new programs. But if these kids aren't actually eating, like literally eating real food, Mm -hmm. then none of it's going to matter. It doesn't matter if they go to school and you're paying for them to go to school. If they haven't eaten that day, Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. learning nothing. Right. Um, And so that was how it all started. So we knew we needed something that would make it sustainable, which is where this blueberry farm idea, we thought maybe we can make enough money to help pay for our program. I loved the idea because for me, I'm kind of a people gatherer. So to me, thinking along the lines of, oh, this is going to be so awesome to have families coming out and just spending the day at the farm and getting outside and picking blueberries, just make it a more of a community oriented sure, space. Sure. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Uh, and at the very beginning, also Dave said, you know, blueberries take time. They take years to grow and mature. So when we first planted we had three year. It was on the third year that we could pick for the first time. So the, wow. bear, the fruit's not ready right away, which he had this super, <laughs> like blew me away when I asked him about it one day. Cause I was, I was making the website, I think. And I was like, babe, why, why blueberries? Do you have a reason just because the, 
because of the soil? And, he's, and he had this answer that blew me away. And I won't do it justice, probably, because I don't remember the exact wording. But he basically said, you know, blueberries are a fruit that takes time to yield. It takes a lot of time before they yield fruit. So we're investing for the long term with these kids. And also, it's a plant that will last for a long time. You don't have to replant it every year like some, like we thought about strawberries at one point. And you have to plant strawberries every year. Blueberries, they actually grow, they get better with time, you know. So he was basically saying, this is an investment and we're investing in these kids for a long time. We're not just going to do this one thing and then leave. Um, wow. Which was really cool. I was like, wow. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's he's thinking yeah. long-term yeah. investing in these kids. Yes. So it was yeah. really cool. Commitment. Commitment mm-hmm. to these kids. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought, oh, I like blueberries. So that sounds good. <laughs> I was it's like, a tasty little treat. Right? So Everybody likes blueberries. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the initial um, mm-hmm. inception. And I want to say that was like 2015. Mm-hmm. And we did 1,500 blueberry plants and 500 blackberry plants. And again, I thought we were going to do like, you know, 10 blueberry <laughs> plants. <laughs> and we had this semi-truck drive up. And Dave's like, the plants are here. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay. So we had volunteers come out. It was, it was really, it was actually just super... That whole process in and of itself was super memorable because everybody, kids were out there. I had Charlotte was a baby. I had her strapped on my back. We were planting. My Our kids were there. And so as far as a family goes, um, you had asked about that too. It's been just part of our family for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. years. And mm-hmm. it's literally the kids know nothing else than blueberries <laughs> and being out working in the fields because mm-hmm. the boys were, I think they had just turned maybe not even five yet. They were probably four at the time. So they don't remember life really before, before the blueberries, blueberries. <laughs> so they were out there helping uh-huh. plant um and then every year they're out there helping mulch and weed and pull the blooms when they're too early and they're out there every pick when we have you pick days they're out there helping what I, I love about it too is you're teaching your children working with a purpose working mm-hmm. to serve others yeah and there's there's discipline in that. It's so much. There's so much character building. You're you're working to serve others, mm-hmm. and um, what an awesome lesson for your kids. Yeah, like that's your family culture. That's your family theme. Right. And and they will carry that on. It's a family tradition. Yeah. You know what what an that's impact cool. just because you and Dave said yes mm-hmm. to the orphanage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's our hope. We ended up partnering with um, an organization out of North Carolina who are, it's called Help One Now. And one of their countries where they actually started was in Zimbabwe. That was one of the countries that they felt like was the most under-resourced um, because mm-hmm. it's hard to get to. People don't know much about it, all of the things. So they're always struggling to fulfill the resources that they need for that particular country. Mm-hmm. Just so happens that during one of the trips to the Congo, Dave... Stopped in in Zimbabwe with Help One Now because they were kind of checking on the program on their way home. Dave got home and was like, Johnny, we have to somehow, someday, we are going to work with Pastor John and his wife Orpa because they are just the real deal. They are doing the most humble work. They are doing, they're just, they're just the real deal. It's basically was this big farm that's not no longer being used. And Pastor John had dreams for it. Dave came back talking about this garden and this farm. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do in Zimbabwe. And at the time, this was when our feeding program was still happening in Congo. And I was like, okay, that's great. But we have our hands full right now. So through 
twists and turns and the door slam in Congo, we ended up with money still coming in every month and nowhere to send it, um, which was a very good problem to have. Sure. And when I was there, the conversation came back up about this farm that he had taken Dave to almost two years prior. And we went to this farmland and basically Pastor John again relayed his dream of having some sort of a farm for the kids that's really sustainable. And, um, and I was like, wait a second, we have a farm. Why can't our farm fund this farm? How do we do this? And so there were lots of talks during that conversation, during that trip on how to logistically rent the land, buy the land. What do we do? I mean, there's just a lot of things that have to happen in red tape. But by the time we had our first harvest, they had been able to secure the land. And so we were able to, that first harvest went to its funding, the beginning of what's now called the Gatehouse Project in Zimbabwe, which is basically a... um, a farm that's like a working farm, but it's also a a training center for the kids Mm -hmm. that have been either taken in as older kids or just have kind of been failed throughout the system. And they may have gone to school, but they were just never set up for success because Mm -hmm. like coming in at 12 years old Mm -hmm. and trying to get plugged into a school. And in, in Zimbabwe, you may be one of a hundred kids in your class and you've never been to school before and you're 12 years old, you wow. really have no, what? there's no wow. way you're going to make it. Yeah. Um, and so this is a way to give them a real skill. It can teach, it's, we're going to, we're teaching them. There's, um, there's gardens, there's uh, livestock, there, there's irrigation they have to learn. There's um, chemistry there. We have a mm-hmm. welding program. There's all these different programs is basically just teaching them an actual mm-hmm. skill, a trade mm-hmm. that they can use. Um and it's also feeding the kids at the at the children's home, and they can also take the food and sell it at the market. And so um, it's just a kind of it's a amazing. holistic approach. It's long term that our farm is now funding there, and we had the privilege of having Pastor John and his wife come visit our farm this past fall, which was awesome and um, just so amazing to be there, walking the fields with them sure. on these fields that we have prayed over and prayed over and prayed over and. Um, now have start are starting to see the fruition of what was planted years ago for us, not really knowing what would come. Right. And now we have this program. We have these people we love and admire and trust. And they were there with us this fall. It was really cool. That's and, amazing. Yeah. So that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. And our kids got, again, we brought our kids um, with us on the trip. They didn't go to Zen. They went to South Africa, but they were exposed to a different world. They now know, they knew like, okay, this is why these are the kind of what we do. We want to bring yeah. them to Zen next. That was our plan for the summer is to go. And now we're having babies. So we're not going, but yeah. maybe next year. Yeah. And um, then of course, John and Orpah stayed with us for about 10 days. And it was so amazing to have them there. And our kids got to just interact with them, get to know them. Um, it was really cool. So they know, like, this is why we work. This is why we do spend our summers instead of, you know, sleeping in in June. You're out every morning <laughs> helping us in the fields. Mm-hmm. And um, sure. And they do it sometimes not so joyfully and sometimes super joyfully. It just depends on the day. Yeah. But it still teaches them so much. Sure. So, yeah, wow. it's been really good. That's incredible, Jenny. Um, maybe one day I'm, I'm going to go over there and I want to see what they're doing. Yes. It's called the Gateway Gatehouse project. Gatehouse. Gatehouse the, project. The property is called the Gatehouse. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you would love it. You should go. I, Everyone I, should it, go. This is <laughs> really resonating with my heart. Okay, I'm going to switch gears for a minute. 
And um, you've had some exciting things going on besides that. I mean, you've got excitement all around you. Uh, um, and excitement, chaos, it's yes. interchangeable words. And it, and it's what I love about too, about your story too, is it's hard work. It's perseverance. It's courageous. It's obedience. It's all this stuff that is tough, but so fulfilling and rewarding. And that is how you are living your life. And you're seeing the fruit of that, which in turn spawns more of that life living. And and so then, then there's these rewards, this fruit that comes from it too, where you're even getting more exposure for what you're doing, which will also aid in what you're doing. And when I say more exposure, um, recently in the past year or two, you've had um, HGTV. They have come on board with you and to check you out. And I'm just going, how did HGTV find Jenny and Dave over here in Northwest Arkansas? So can you just help me understand that whole situation? What? How did that happen? Um, yeah, I don't know exactly. <laughs> God? We, yeah, God. That's all I guess got. that's all we got. That's all I've got. Yeah. So it's been a process three years and it's been three years, three years ago in April. Okay. We um, got a got an email from one of the network executives at HGTV. She emailed me. I don't even remember what the email said, but basically I was like, yeah, that's spam. Delete. And um, I told Dave and he was like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I know. Well, then right after that, a friend of ours called and was like, hey, I gave your name to this person with HGTV. I'm like, oh, okay, that email. Okay. So I then responded to the email, but um, basically they were looking in this area because they knew about this area, Northwest Arkansas, Bentonville. Mm -hmm. Um, They were looking for unique small towns basically at the time. And obviously this area is very unique. Sure. Carrie, who was our network executive, had put out some feelers in the area. She had a friend who worked here locally and she kind of put out some feelers. Hey, do you know any builders in the area that would be, you know, interesting for a show there? Her friend asked around at work. Our friend who had had a house that we had built recommended us. And there we go. That's it. I don't know. And so they asked us if we'd be interested. And we were very, very, very hesitant. Um, basically said, like, Dave was like, no, not at all. And I was like, I know. I don't think so either. And then we're like, well, maybe we should consider it. I don't know. So we just started praying about it and, like, literally was not anything we really put a lot of thought into. We just basically said, Lord, if this is something you want us to do, keep the door open. If not, just slam it shut. Um, it took about a year of the development process of going back and forth. We had, we had, we had a couple different, ended up having two different um, production agencies that we worked with, production companies. And the second one is our production company now. And um, when they reached out to us, we told them no, because we'd already done this development thing with another one. And um, they're like, just meet with us. This, this the guy that that emailed us. He's like, just just one meeting at Starbucks. I'm meeting at Starbucks. So I won't take any much of your time. Ten minutes. I'm like, okay, fine. And Dave was like, I just feel like we're supposed to meet with him. And I'm like, really big things. I feel, and I know this. I know I'm afraid to even say this, but um, because I don't want it to be perceived the wrong way. But I feel like it is biblical that God gives the authority to a husband and a family to be the leader of the family. And on really big decisions, I've always prayed. Lord, just let Dave guide us on this because you give him the authority to make, to have that discernment. And it's always, and really big things, it's always been the right way to go. <laughs> and in this particular thing, I was like, this could be a really big thing for like a big decision, even though we're sort of at the time we were taking it really lightheartedly. So Dave just said, let's just meet with him. It's fine. Let's go meet 10 minutes. What's it going to do? So we went and ended up that um, he is from the area, he's from Rogers. 
And so he was just really, I don't which know, is it, which is near Bentonville. Yes, for sorry. people that are listening, they may yes. so Bentonville and Rogers, they just are right next to each other, hug each other, and we all operate kind of together. He was super assuring about the fact that he was really protective of the area and protective of how it would be shown because it is such a cool area. It's so unique. And he wanted to make sure we felt comfortable with that because we didn't want to do anything that would make our community not look good because we love this community. It's our home. And um, that whole development process, like I said, took, I mean, we've been doing this now for three years, but it took about two years. We filmed last year, February through October. Of 2018. Yes. So what was that like having camera people in your house all the time? <sighs> it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, our crew, we're now like, I mean, I know people who have done shows like this and they say, oh, they become family. And you always, it sounds really weird because like they have a camera and they become family. Um, but they really did. They're like, we love them. We love them. Um, they, we've visited, we've gone and visited them twice in Knoxville just because we miss them. We love them. Um so it was, we had so much fun together as a crew um, because the days were very long, very stressful. We were doing three houses, three house renovations at a time in a five week period, start to finish. It was crazy town. Yeah. So, and then you had to film in the middle of it. So yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it was good. We had fun. We laughed a lot. I hated getting ready every day. That's the worst. <laughs> Like hair and makeup. Hair and and makeup. I had to do my hair and makeup every single morning. Mm -mm. That was what I didn't like the most. I couldn't handle it. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm out. Isn't that ridiculous? (laughs) That getting dressed, finding normal clothes to wear, and blow drying my hair and putting on makeup Mm -hmm. was like the thing that I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Dave Dave would make fun of me all the time. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You have no hair. Throw a hat on. No makeup. Every day he had to just wear a black shirt. Like, oh, that's. jeans. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. So anyway, that was the hardest part. And they everybody used to laugh at me because I'm like, oh, I have to do my hair again. Um, anyway, but other than having to do my hair and putting on makeup in the morning, it was fun. It was a fun experience. It was exhausting and it was crazy. And we were ready for it to be done when it was done, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> ready to have our yeah. life back. Well, I think it, it's super exciting. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this exposure, just the HGTV season, people will see the heart of you and Dave and and how you just, you live for the Lord. Um, and, I, and I'm hoping, too, this will bring awareness to the crisis all over the world um, for children in need. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hoping that's what this whole purpose is what what God's going to use this um, to help aid even that mission in y'all's hearts. I wish you the best, Jenny. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode on The Brave Place. Be sure to check out Jenny and Dave's HGTV show, Fixer to Fabulous. I can assure you it's if it's not already on your DVR, you'll want it to be. Okay. Before we go, though, I want to leave you with this brave word from today's visit with Jenny, um, just reflecting on the power of acting on a need that you see around you. So often we see a need, but we don't think we have what it takes to meet that need. But that's where God comes in. Um, Jenny and Dave's influence is reaching people far beyond their wildest dreams because they took steps of faith acting on a need they saw and trusting that God would provide. And he certainly has, as you've heard in the last two podcasts with Jenny. I believe personally, this is the beginning of what God has in store for their mission. You know, God's word says in 1 John three eighteen. I want to read this to you, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 
So my brave challenge for you is this. Is there a need around you right now that you see and will you act on it? It can be a small need or a big need. Either way, they both require that first step. Sometimes we get caught up in the idea that the need is too great. Why try? But if we each do just a little bit, it will end up being a whole lot. Every change that's ever occurred has always started with one person recognizing the need and taking the first step. That's the brave challenge for today. Just take a step. And speaking of taking steps, one of the most inspiring stories I think I've ever heard is with Becky Schaefer. She's the founder of Saving Grace, and I had the opportunity to sit down with her and interview her. She had all the odds stacked against her as a young foster child, but held on to this dream in her heart that would change lives. It's a phenomenal story of perseverance, hope, and the miraculous hand of God, truly. Here's a clip. Real quick, I want you to listen to of our next podcast, which will be with Becky. Take a listen. As a little girl, during those times when my mother was violently abusive, I always felt that the Lord was near me. She would go and lay down and I would wait until I heard her breathing, you know, that she was deep uh, breathing in sleep. Um, and I would sneak out to the backyard and I, a lot of times I would swing. I lived in the projects and I would swing and talk to God. Many times I would wander the woods as if it was my own. I would, I would play out there for hours by myself and talk to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just always talk Mm -hmm. to him. Many times I would ask him for new mom and dad, new brothers and sisters and horses. Again, that was Becky Schaefer. Trust me. It's an inspiring story. You don't want to miss. Thank you for joining us here at The Brave Place. Until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.